Well, the Universal Periodic Review, the UPR, is a process under which all UN member states undergo a review of the human rights record every few years at the UN uh, Human Rights Council. China is now undergoing its fourth review since 2018. Um, The World Uyghur Congress, the WC, and the Uyghur Human Rights Project, UHRP, have urged the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights to monitor China's compliance with the recommendations that were made in 2022. The assessments subsequent to the Universal Periodic Review, the UPR of China in Geneva. Beijing once again denies any abuses. It claims to be, uh, quote-unquote, guidance based on lies, whatever that means. The 2022 report stated the detention of Uyghurs and other Muslims in China's Xinjiang region, uh, also known as East Turkestan, may constitute crimes against humanity. The UN Council will publish a a list of recommendations later this week and a report is due to be adopted by June or July. We are speaking to Peter Irwin, Associate Director for Research and Advocacy at the Uyghur Human Rights Project, the UHRP, currently on the ground in Geneva. Welcome, Peter. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Peter, can you shed some light on the importance of the UPR review on China and, and you know how it's been standing in the last few years, as well as the recommendations made by the UNHR Council and its member states? Yeah, so the, the UPR, I think, is an important mechanism through which UN member states can effectively make recommendations or suggestions for uh, their peers for other UN member states. The the system itself is supposed to work as a kind of uh, accountability mechanism where governments can, again, you know, make recommendations to a state under review. This week it was China. Um, China, as we know, and as you mentioned during the 2022 report from the High Commissioner, said that what, hap- what has been happening in the Uyghur region may amount to crimes against humanity. So this was really an opportunity this week for governments to be able to step forward and say and recommend to China, for example, that they should be upholding the recommendations made in that report, amongst other kinds of recommendations, which we can perhaps speak about. Hmm. Uh, after all, I mean, there are recommendations, correct, Peter? I mean, uh, China uh, could, could deny them, could, could follow in the recommendation. There is no way of uh, enforcing any of these recommendations, are they? Yeah, it's a good point. There really aren't. You know, it's just it's on a basis of kind of mutual cooperation with the UN system. China has undergone uh, now this is its fifth review. Its last review in 2018, it also accepted a number of recommendations specifically to improve the human rights conditions for Uyghurs, uh, Uyghur Muslims, primarily on the ground in the Uyghur region. And of course, they accept these recommendations. And then they turn around and they do the complete opposite, right? So it is an imperfect or you know a far from perfect kind of mechanism. And we don't expect recommendations to actually be taken up, but at the same time, it is a it's a space where the Uyghur issue, for example, amongst other human rights issues in China, which of course there are many, it's a place in which these issues can be raised, and a place where governments can point to the UN system itself, which has raised very strong, clear recommendations. Uh, to, for example, close the internment camp system to respect religious freedom, language rights, freedom of movement, uh, stop forced labor, these kinds of things. It's a space where governments can tell China to stop doing these things. 
Uh, and then there's clear evidence that China actually has not been participating in good faith of the system really at all, unfortunately. Hmm. Uh, this, of course, Peter, as I mentioned in the introduction, the fourth review. Talk us through some of the major points of the previous reviews that had taken place and the subsequent recommendations uh, sent to China. Well, you get the same kind of recommendations that we've heard during this review, right? So. Uh, on the one hand, accept uh, visits from UN experts. China doesn't typically accept any visits from UN human rights experts. Uh, they have recommendations previously made from other uh, member states on respecting religious freedom, you know, uh, allowing language rights, uh, preventing forced labor, right? And these exact recommendations that are made, and they were made in 2018, and many of them made back in even 2013 and 2009. Uh, these kinds of things keep happening and they're getting worse, right? So again, it, it shows you quite clearly that the review process is not working very well when it comes to a state as sort of economically powerful or influential as China is. You know, Peter, when it comes to, of course, these recommendations, um, as had been said earlier, Peter, I mean, China um, chooses not to, you know, take them up or take them seriously or even acknowledge that such type of issues exist. Are there ways to pressure, um, you know, states that do business with China, uh, states that have got or are strategic partners with China? I mean, for example, Pakistan for a long time has been a strategic ally of, uh, you know, of China. Uh, You're looking at the Belt Road that goes and feeds directly into East Turkestan through through Tibet, which is also, uh, you know, a region that has got issues and major human rights violations of its own. Um, Is there any way to recommend states that are close to China and also maybe stakeholders uh, in the current issues that you need to uh, desist doing business with China as normal? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good point. I think there are few ways in which I think advocates or even other member states who are supportive of human rights to try to convince Pakistan, for example, or Saudi Arabia or some of these other countries. And, And part of that is that Pakistan and Saudi Arabia are, don't have the best human rights records themselves. Mm. Um, and, and they don't feel that they can, you know, make recommendations to China because they may get some kind of criticism back from the Chinese government. And then the second thing I would say, and you touched on this, is these economic relationships are very strong. And what I would say to that is that you can look around the world and you can look at the Belt and Road countries and there you can track very closely the kinds of positive recommendations made by member states who are part of the Belt and Road, who have benefited in some ways economically because of that system. But on the other hand, I think you've seen in some places like Sri Lanka and other other places, I think these kinds of development projects in many cases have saddled these countries with debt. They become sort of uh, connected to China in a way that's not super positive, that they feel that they don't have as much autonomy anymore. They feel they're under the weight of the Chinese government and they can't make kind of autonomous decisions, like, for example, making a strong recommendation. So it might be a good thing that they have these economic projects or development projects from the beginning, but I think long-term it's just not going to be good, certainly not good for the populations of these countries. Peter, in recent uh, weeks, we've seen South Africa taking the state of Israel to the ICJ. Now, this is, of course, a conflict situation, uh, a war situation, and 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 this stemmed the uh, the action of the you know the South African government uh, the end of December last year. The subsequent uh, hearing uh, and the results thereof will first likely, or the first part of it, to be heard, uh, you know, tomorrow from the ICJ. Do you foresee any country or any uh, nation taking 
taking China to court on the Uyghur issue. That, listen here, here's your turn to, if not implement any of the previous recommendations, but to stand before the, the ICJ. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there should be some kind of case taken forward to an international body. The issue is a technical one with the ICJ is that the Chinese government is not a party to their own statute and they actually don't have jurisdiction. Um, China does not accept the jurisdiction of the the court, unfortunately. So in the case of Israel-Palestine, there is jurisdiction in Palestine, so they can take it forward. Um, The ICC, the International Criminal Court, is another interesting case. China is not a party to the ICC either, so we can't bring cases forward. But there have been attempts from Uyghur activists and lawyers to bring cases through the member states who are part of the ICC. So Tajikistan, for example, and there's been allegations made that because of deportations from Tajikistan that China can be held liable. That has not been taken forward by the ICC. You really have an international system that is not very friendly to people who want to take China or hold China accountable for abuses. Um, So I would say one last thing is that our organizations, the World Uyghur Congress and the Uyghur Human Rights Project, uh, we have taken some kind of creative measures and we've gone to Argentina. Why did we go to Argentina? Argentina has a very liberal universal jurisdiction laws. And what that means is that the, the federal court system in Argentina can actually hear cases on uh, uh, issues that happen or you know, human rights issues or, or problems happening outside of Argentina's borders. So we're taking that course of action through Argentina. There are legal means at our disposal, but there are sort of few and far between. You have the international institutions, which China just doesn't accept. So it's been tremendously difficult to bring this forward within these kinds of systems. Peter Irwin, thank you for joining us on radio this uh, well evening for us and uh, updating us on, on events coming out of uh, well the Uyghur community and the, and the seeking of justice uh, you know, for them globally and against China. Thank you for your time, Peter. Thanks for having me.